First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. What a special service it has already been, and what a powerful moment in the service to see folks young and old, uh, families, uh, individuals, singles, married couples, children coming to present their offering before the Lord. And uh, again, maybe you wanted to be a part of that time uh, today, but uh, just uh, weren't prepared to be able to do that today. Uh, I do just want to let you know that uh, next week is another opportunity to, to do that. And uh, what we'll do is we're going to take uh, everything that was um, given and pledged today and everything that is given and pledged next week, and all of that will be added together, and that will be the total that we share with you uh, as a part of our celebration day, which is two weeks from today on October 28th, and, and that will certainly be a Sunday uh, that you won't want to miss. Uh, now, for next week and for Celebration Day, we are going to go back to the book of Nehemiah, and uh, we will end this Greater Things series where we began it. But uh, for today, on this special commitment day, uh, I was just praying about where in the Word the Lord would have me to go, and I thought about this question, where can you go in the Bible? To think about a time when the people of God did something very similar to what we have just done today. Where can you go in the Bible to consider a time when the people of God made a sacrificial gift to the Lord and then reflected on that gift and what it meant for them to be able to give? And the Lord directed me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. So if you have a copy of God's Word, if you would turn there with me, 1 Chronicles 29. If not, the words will be on the screen behind me in just a few moments. And just to give you a little background on what's going on in this passage, uh, this uh, story takes place very near the end of King David's life. In 1 Chronicles 28, the chapter just before our passage, David gathered together the leaders of Israel in an assembly in Jerusalem, and he told them the story about how he had had the heart to want to build a house, a temple for the Lord, uh, but how the Lord told him that he was not the one who was going to do that, uh, but that it would be his son Solomon who would have the privilege of building the Lord's temple. And David accepts that, Uh, David knows that he will not be the one to build the temple. In fact, he knows that he's never going to be able to step foot in the temple personally. And yet, at the end of his life, uh, David does everything that he can think of to make preparations so that his son Solomon will be able to build the temple. In chapter 28, we read about how he shares the plans for the temple that he had received from the Lord. And he tells Solomon, these are not suggestions. This is what the Lord has said uh, that the temple is to look like. Uh, He also encourages his son Solomon, tells him to be strong, to be courageous, to do the work God has called him to do. Uh, He also assembles the workers together. And so at the end of David's life, there's a whole army of workers who are ready and waiting for King Solomon's instructions. And then in chapter 29, the text that we're going to look at, David also gathers all the materials together. He gives from his own personal treasure, and he calls upon the people and the leaders of the people to give as well. And and, and so throughout this chapter, what we're going to see is the joy of the people of God of being able to have the privilege to give uh, to the Lord's 
how. So let's read this passage together as we begin. First Chronicles 29. We'll begin reading in verse 1 and we'll read down to verse 20. First Chronicles 29 verse 1. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, my son Solomon, whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now for the house of my God, I prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things to be made of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses." The gold for things of gold, the silver for things of silver, for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Then the leaders of the Father's houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, and captains of thousands and of hundreds, with the officers over the king's work, offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. And then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced Greatly, verse 10. And therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all, and your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me and the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart towards you. And give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments and your testimonies and your statutes to do all these things and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, now bless the Lord your God. And so all the assembly blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads and prostrated themselves before the Lord and the King. And Father, we praise your name. You are worthy. 
our Lord, to receive all praise and all glory and all honor. And we thank you, Father, for what you have done, for what you are doing. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us now through your perfect word that you have given to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, more than anything else, what jumps out to me as I read this passage is the joy of the people of being able uh, to give to the Lord. You can see that in several places in these verses that we have read. In verse 9, it says, The people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly. At the end of the verse, it says, King David also rejoiced greatly. Of course, we see his joy in this hymn of praise that David begins in verse 10. And, and then down in verse 17, he, he speaks about how he has witnessed how with joy uh, God's people who were present gave willingly to the Lord. This theme of joy uh, runs all the way throughout this passage. The, the bottom line is it wasn't a drudgery, it wasn't a burden for the people of God in David's day to be able to give uh, towards this project of building the temple it was a joy. And the same is true for us today. It's a joy to be able to give to the Lord who has given everything for us. And that's really what I want us to think about today in God's Word, the joy of being able to give. Whether it's giving to a special project like Greater Things, or whether it's just the joy of, of giving each week in our regular tithes and our offerings, that, that it is a joy to give to the King. And in this passage, I want us to see together a few biblical reasons why that is the case, why it is a joy to be able to give to the Lord. First off, giving to the Lord is a joy because we love the Lord. Very simple, because we love the Lord, we want to give to Him, we want to give for Him, and we want to give so that other people can come to know Him as well. We give because we love the Lord. In verse 1, David gives one of the reasons why he's getting everything prepared beforehand. He says uh, there in verse 1 that his son Solomon was young and inexperienced, and that was the case. But notice the real reason he says, not only is he young and inexperienced, but the work is great. It is a great work, just like the great work that we've been studying in the book of Nehemiah, the great work of building the wall around Jerusalem, just like the greater things that the Lord has given us. This work was a great work. It was too big for one person. It was too big for even a group of people. It was a God-sized job that only God could ultimately do. And, and, and so that is why at the end of verse 1, David speaks about how all of this was for the Lord. He says, because the temple was not for man, but it is for the Lord God. That's what made it a great work. That it wasn't just for man, it was for God. It was a great work for a great God. The word that is translated temple here is literally in Hebrew the word palace. Because that's what the temple was. The true God of Israel was, uh, the true king of Israel was not David and it wasn't Solomon. It was the Lord God Almighty. And the temple was his palace, the place where the true king of Israel would dwell. That's what Solomon would be tasked with building. And of course, we do need to know and to recognize that the temple that Solomon would build, the temple that David was preparing for here, is uh, utterly unique. 
Uh, It was the place where uh, the glory of God would descend. It was a place where God's presence was made known in a manifest way uh, above the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. Uh, There is no church building today uh, that really can be compared with the temple and the purpose of the temple uh, in the Old Testament. And yet, with that said, What the New Testament teaches us is that just because we don't get to worship in uh, the temple, uh, that does not mean that we experience less of the glory of God. It doesn't mean that we experience less of the presence of God. Quite to the contrary, the New Testament teaches that now as followers of Jesus Christ who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that we don't go into the temple, we are the temple. That we are living, walking, breathing temples of God filled with the Holy Spirit of God. What an amazing privilege that is. In verse 2, David begins to talk about what he had done to help gather the resources that his son would need to build the temple. He says that he has prepared them with all his might. One translation said he's used every resource at his command. And so he gives the list of all the items that he has already stockpiled. And then in verse 3, it speaks about how in addition to that, he gave out of his own personal treasure. And in verse 4, we see the quantities of what he gave. 3,000 talents of gold, which equates to a staggering 112 tons of gold. He gave 7,000 talents of silver, which equates to 260 tons of of silver. The estimated worth of all that King David gave would be in the billions of dollars in today's currency. But the key is there in verse 3. Why was David willing to give his own personal treasure to build the king's house, the temple of the Lord? Look at it there in verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God. So David tells us why he gave. He gave because he loved God. And he gave because he loved God's house where God was worshipped and where God was praised. And when you think about it, that isn't any different than the reason why we give to the Lord's work today. We give because we love God. We give because we love God's people. We give because we love God's house where God is worshipped, where God's gospel goes forth, where people are equipped to go out on mission and to join God in what he is doing in the world. And it really all goes back to a basic principle of life. And that is that for all of us, every single one of us, we give to whatever we love. We give to whatever we love. If you love sports, then you're not going to mind, you know, forking over whatever the cost is for a ticket price in order to go and see your favorite team play. If you love a certain band, uh, then you will pay what you need to to be able to hear that band when they come through town. If uh, if you love to travel, then you'll be able to scrape together enough to be able to go and travel. If you love your family, then you're going to give whatever is needed to minister to the needs of your family. We give to what we love. This is part of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6 when he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What we give our money to shows where our heart really is located. 
And David gave because his heart and his affection was set on the Lord and on the Lord's house. And the same is true with us today. And so church, be encouraged today. Be encouraged today that as you have come and and sacrificially given to the Lord, why did you do that? You did that for the same reason that David did that. You did that because your heart is set on the Lord and your heart is set on the Lord's house. And that is a reason to praise God today because he has given you a heart for the things of God. That's the first reason why giving to the Lord is a joy because we love the Lord. But it's also a joy because we get to give freely to the Lord as well. You know, six times in this passage you see the word willing or willingly used to describe the offering that was given. It's the same word that describes the free will offerings that were above and beyond the tithe that were given in the Old Testament And this word, again, is used repeatedly four of those six times. uh, This word shows up are right here in the next section of verses, verses 5 through 9. You see it at the end of verse 5 where David asks the leaders, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? You see it in verse 6 when it says that the leaders of the people gave what they gave willingly to God. And then you see it two times. And what I believe is the key verse in this passage in verse 9. Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly. Because with a loyal heart, they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. Now, what were they willing to do? We've already seen what King David was willing to do, that he led by example, that he gave an amazing sum from his own personal treasure to this effort. And the other leaders followed King David's example. In verse 7, we find out that collectively these other leaders gave even more than what King David gave himself. The the other leaders together gave 187 tons of gold. Plus 10,000 derricks of gold. Now, a derrick was a, a Persian currency uh, that was used at the time the chronicler wrote the book of Chronicles. He was trying to put into modern terms what the sum of money their ancestors had given to this project. But in addition to the gold, they also gave 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,750 tons of iron. It's almost an incalculable sum. And on top of that, verse 8 says, Whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Certainly, these folks gave their very best to the Lord. Uh, You know, that's uh, not like the woman I read about who called up the Butterball Turkey Company one day Uh, They had a hotline set up around Thanksgiving time, and she called them up and said, I have discovered a 23-year-old turkey in the bottom of my freezer. Uh, Is it still safe to eat this? And uh, the butterball expert, and how is that for a job title, (laughs) butterball expert, um, told her that it would probably be safe to eat if her freezer had stayed at uh, zero degrees uh, or lower the entire 23 years. Uh, But then he did warn her that even if it was still safe to eat, that the flavor of the turkey would be entirely gone from the turkey by that time, and it really wouldn't be worth eating at all. 
And so the woman said, well, that's what I thought. We'll just give the turkey to the church. <laughs> you know, the people in King's, King David's day were not giving a 23-year-old turkey to the church. They were giving their very best, and they gave willingly. Again, verse 9 says, the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. They rejoiced as they gave. They gave with a loyal heart, a, a faithful heart to God. If their heart wasn't faithful to God or loyal to God, then they wouldn't have been willing to give. Their, their very willingness to give shows, again, where their heart uh, was located. And, 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 you know, this text reminds me of the passage we looked at last Sunday in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, where the Apostle Paul said, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We're seeing that lived out here in the pages of the Old Testament in King David's Day And God wants our giving today to be from the same heart, freely giving, willingly given to Him. And, and we can rejoice that we're able to do that. We can take joy over the fact that when we give, uh, that no one is forcing our hand to give. Uh, there's not because of any outside pressure. It's not because of any law that dictates our standard of giving. But when we give, we're giving voluntarily to the Lord. We're giving freely to the Lord in response to what He has done in our life. And we can take joy in that. You know, taxes are not like that. Right? I don't know how many people on April 15th greatly rejoice that they get to write that check uh, over to the federal uh, government. Now, Jesus said we need to do that. Right? We need to give to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. But, but you have to do that. right? If you don't do that, then the IRS comes and, and they can take away everything that you own, even the seat from underneath you. right? So you, you have to do that. But, but this is a joy. And what you gave today, you gave freely under no compulsion, under no duress. We don't have a greater things police that's going to show up at your door and ask you, did you give today? No, we don't have that. I don't, I don't know or see what anyone in our church gives. I want you to know that. What, what you give, what I give is between us and the Lord. And what joy there is in that, that we get to give what God has laid on our heart to give because of what God has done for us. That's one of the reasons giving to the Lord is such a joy because we give freely. Number three, it's a joy to give to the Lord because of who we are giving to. We're giving to a gloriously great God who is worthy of so much more. And by the time we come to verse 10, King David, uh, who, as you know, was a psalmist who wrote many of the psalms in the book of Psalms, he could no longer contain himself. Uh, after having witnessed the amazing generosity of the people of God, he just has to burst out into a song of praise at what he is witnessing. But notice that he does not direct his praise to the people. He doesn't direct his thanks even to the people, even though I'm sure he was thankful for them and their heart to give to the Lord. But instead, he directs all of their attention and their thanks and their praise upward to the Lord. He says that we should bless his name. And that's something we need to remember as well in a couple of weeks. 
when we come to our celebration day and we share uh, the total of all that has been given, our response to that should not be, uh, well, bless our name. Right? We, we shouldn't respond to that and say, praise be to us. Right? We respond to that and we say, bless his name. Praise be to the Lord. And that is what David does in this passage. In verse 10, he says, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. And then beginning in verse 11, as one person put it, David almost ransacks the theological dictionary to grab every term that he can find to describe the magnificence of the Lord God Almighty. This is what he says in verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. David ascribes everything to the Lord. Power, glory, victory, and, and majesty. And, of course, it's still the same today. All of these things should be ascribed to the Lord. And so when we come to greater things and we, we think about that and we think about what God has done, we should say with David, God, yours is the power for greater things. You're, you're the only one who has the power to be able to change people's lives. To be able to do that here, to be able to do that everywhere where churches are, are planted and teams are sent out. You're the only one who has the power to do that. With David, we should say, God, yours is the glory. Whatever happens now, whatever happens in the future, all the glory, Lord, belongs to you because you are glorious. We should say with David, yours is the victory. We don't win anything apart from the Lord. In fact, apart from the Lord, we would all be defeated in sin and deserving of death and without hope. But because of the Lord, because of the victory that Jesus Christ has won for us when he died on the cross and rose up from the dead, he has won a victory over Satan, over hell, over death, over the grave, and we have victory in him. And we can say in him we are more than conquerors. And we should say with David, God, yours is the majesty. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We should say with David, yours is the kingdom. This is not our kingdom. It's not even our part of the kingdom. This is all your kingdom. You are the one who builds the kingdom. You're the one who adds to the kingdom. It all belongs to you. It's all for you. It is all because of you. He is exalted as well, as David says, as head over all. Jesus is the head of his church. He is the head over this church. He is the head over every church. He's the head over the church with a capital C. In verse 12, David writes this as well. He says, both riches and honor come from you. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And then he says, you reign over all. And in your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And because it is, we should remember that we don't have anything, we don't have any power or any might that does not first come from God. And that is why, church, we should not boast about anything except for Jesus. We shouldn't boast about our ministries, about our size, about our impact, about our events. We shouldn't boast about any of these things because any strength and any ability that we have to do anything comes to us from God's hand. David says in verse 13, Now therefore, our God, we thank you. 
and praise your glorious name. After the people had brought all of these amazing gifts, overwhelming generosity that they brought to to be able to build the temple, David does not say, Israel, we thank you. But instead he says, God, we thank you. And we praise your glorious name. And so church, as we sit here today on Commitment Day, and as we gather in a couple weeks for Celebration Day, may we say the same thing. May the heart of praise and thanks overflow from us. And may we lift up our voices to God and say, God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name because we serve an awesome, incredible, amazing, glorious, mighty God who is worth so much more than we could ever give to him in a thousand lifetimes. That is why giving to the Lord is such a joy, because we're giving to a gloriously great God who's worthy of so much more. Here's the fourth reason why giving to the Lord is such a joy. It's a joy because it is a privilege to be able to give back to God what comes from God. It's a privilege to be able to give back to God what comes from God. Look at verse 14. David says, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given to you. You know, there's one other place where David says to the Lord, who am I? And it's in a very important chapter in the Old Testament. It's 2 Samuel chapter 7. Because it's in that chapter that David says to the Lord, God, I want to build a house for you. And God says back to David through his prophet Nathan, no, David, you're not going to build a house for me. I'm going to build a house for you. And and he tells David, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a a lineage, a, a, a history. And one of your ancestors, David, is going to sit on the throne of the kingdom forever and ever. That's where that promise is made. And of course, that promise will be fulfilled. The Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David, who was born in David's town of Bethlehem, will rule and reign over the kingdom forever and ever and ever. And after David hears this incredible promise from the Lord, he says to the Lord these very same words, Who am I, God? And who is my family that you have done all of these things for me already, and now you have made a promise about me that goes far into the future? Who am I, Lord? And then here in 1 Chronicles, at the end of his life, he says the very same thing. Who am I, Lord? Who are we, your people, that we get to do this? You can just hear the heart of David, and you realize why it is that David was a man after God's own heart. David does not feel that he should get a trophy for giving his treasure to God. He's asking God, God, how is it that I get to give to you. How how is it that that we, your people, this nation of Israel that you have chosen, how is it that we get to give to you? How is it that you have given us the amazing, unbelievable privilege of being a part of what you, the almighty king, are doing in the world? It's just crazy that we get to be a part of that, God. God, who are we And it's important that we take that to heart because, church, it's so easy to fall into the trap. Even when we have made a sacrificial gift to the Lord, to even to fall into that trap in our hearts where we start to think, God, as you look down on me and as you look down on this offering that I'm laying before you today, God, how lucky you are to have me as a part of your team. 
And what you hear from David is the exact opposite of that. Right? What you hear from David is not, God, how lucky you are to have me on your team. It's, God, how blessed am I to be on your team? How, how blessed am I to be able to call you my father? How blessed am I to be able to give something back to you? And in verse 14, David shows us part of the reason why he feels the way that he does about giving. He says there at the end of verse 14, All things come from you. And from your own we have given to you. If you look at verse 16, he says basically the same thing. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. In other words, he's saying, God, everything that we have given to you today really came from you to start with. Right? None of this is our own. Everything we're giving to you came from you, and now we're just giving part of it back to you. And, and I think as we, as we hear that, I, again, I, I almost just feel that in our heart we almost press against that sometimes, and we say, you know, well, yeah, but you know, the things that I have, I have because I've worked hard. Right? You know, what, what I have, what I have accumulated is because I've worked harder than other people. It's because of my strength. It's because of my intelligence. It's because of all these things. That is why I have what I have. And I'm not denying that you or anyone else has worked hard. But what I would say to you is, is look up at the end of verse 12. He says, in your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. So who gave you the strength to be able to work as hard as you have worked? Who gave you the intelligence that you have put to work in your career path? Who, who gave you the might to be able to do that? Who created you to begin with or else we wouldn't even be here, right? And so if you go back far enough, you realize that everything we have comes from God. And when we give, we are just giving back to the one who gave it. And it's a privilege to be able to do that. That's part of the reason giving to him is a great joy. It's a privilege to give to God what has come from God. There's one final reason I want to share with you from this passage about why giving to the Lord is a, a joy, and that's because our giving is an expression of where we always want our hearts to be. In verse 17, David says this, I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I've willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I've seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. So David knows that the Lord tests the hearts of his people. And David knows that his heart and the heart of his people was right that day before the Lord with what they were giving, that they were giving in the uprightness of their heart. That word means straightness. It means there was no crookedness at all. There was no wrong motive going on, that, that what they gave, they gave with integrity for the right reason. That what they gave, they gave willingly. They gave freely to the Lord as we've already talked about. That what they gave, they gave out of their love for the Lord God. And, and, and so in verse 18, he prays this, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, another name for Jacob, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart towards you. So he appeals to the covenant God of his fathers and he asks God, that God would keep the people's heart in the place where it was that day. 
That God would keep the people's heart in a place where, where they would be always upright. Where they would always do what they do with integrity. The way they gave their offering that day. That they would always be faithful. That they'd always be loyal to God. That they would always consider it a joy and a privilege to be able to give to the Lord. And then in verse 19, as any godly father would do, he ends his prayer by praying for his own son. And he prays the very same things for Solomon. He prays that Solomon would have a right heart forever, a heart that wants to obey the Lord and to follow the Lord's path for his life. And so church, what David prays for Solomon and what David prays for the people of his day is what we should be asking the Lord in our day. Because we know that our hearts, as the song says, are prone to wander. And so we should be asking the Lord that He would keep our hearts in the right place. Where we are this day, as we've come before Him with an upright, loyal heart to give what we have given to the Lord. Now, of course, we want to keep growing in our Christian walk. We want to pray that the Lord would grow us in all kinds of areas in our life. And yet, if we gave today with the right heart, then that's something we never want to change. And we want to ask the Lord, would you, would you keep me there in, in my heart where what I give, I give with an upright heart. I give with a loyal heart. I give for the right reasons. And I give joyfully because I love you and because I love the lost and I want to see them saved. It's part of the reason why giving to the Lord is a joy because it's an expression. It's a prayer to God even as we give that He would keep our hearts in exactly that right place before him always. Now I've been thinking this week about David and, and sacrificial giving and I was reminded of another story in King David's life. It happened a little bit before this one and it's found in 2 Samuel 24. And we don't have time to, to turn there to delve into all the details of that story but essentially David sinned against the Lord and in his pride, he wanted to number all of the people of the kingdom. He wanted to take a census of the people. But he really wasn't supposed to do that. And that ended up having terrible consequences, if you've read that story, for the nation of Israel. In the end, 70,000 people died because of David's prideful sin. And David asked God, God, what do I need to do to stop this plague that is running rampant through your people and all these people are, are dying? And God told him to go to a particular place, a spot in Jerusalem, uh, a threshing floor that was owned by a, a man named Uranu. And so David does that. He goes to Uranu and he offers to buy his uh, threshing floor in order to build an altar there and to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And Uranu wants to help. And so he says, David, no, I'm not going to let you buy this. I'm, I'm giving it to you. you. You take the threshing floor. Here, take my oxen. Use them as your sacrifices. Here's the yoke. Uh, take the wood. Build your fire. And here's everything that you need for the offering. I don't, I don't want this to cost you a dime. You're my king. And then David says this to Uranu, he says, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Listen to this. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. And so David brought, bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. 
David understood a very important truth that a true sacrifice could not cost him nothing. That if he was going to make a sacrifice to the Lord, that it had to cost him something. And so he refused the gift and he said he paid for that. He bought the threshing floor and he made his sacrifice there on that very spot. And the plague of God was stopped. And do you know where the threshing floor of Uranu was? It was on the crest of a plateau in Jerusalem, on the very spot, the chronicler tells us, where one day David's son Solomon would build the temple with the supplies that David prepared. And in that temple, on that very spot, and in the second temple that followed it, for centuries, sacrifices would be offered upon the altar at the very place where David made his sacrifice in order to stop the plague. And then one day, into the temple walked someone who was God in the flesh. The Lord of glory and the Lamb of God who came to give his life as a sacrifice for you and a sacrifice for me to stop the plague of death that our sin had brought upon us. And so one day, just outside the city gates of Jerusalem, he suffered and he bled and he died. And for him, for the Lord Jesus, his sacrifice didn't cost him nothing. It didn't even cost him something. It cost him everything. And he gave it all to pay the price that we owed because of our sin. Here here is the truth. Everything we have is because God was willing to give everything for us. Everything we have is because God was willing to give everything for us. Friend, have you surrendered your life to the one who gave everything for you? I know that today's message has mainly been about the joy of giving. But you know, you can't really experience the joy of giving until you first receive the gift from the one who gave everything for you. That is the step, the first step that we all need to take. I want to pray for us and then I want to invite you to come and take that step and receive that gift if you've never done that before. Father, we love you and we thank you that you are a God who was willing to give everything for us. That your son Jesus was willing to lay down his life as a ransom for our sin on the cross. And Father, I pray for anyone in this place that has never received that gift, that Lord, today they would. That they would open up their heart. They would hold out their hands. And Father, they would receive the gift that you want to put there. A gift of forgiveness and life and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 